You, you know, I've got to believe that that first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, was radically different than the way that we see it now. We kind of have this sanitized version of Jesus' birth, don't we? But that, that there was this serene, beautiful moment that was clean and pure and, and just fantastic. And, and in reality, I think that there, was, there were probably some things that were very different. You know, Jesus is there in the manger surrounded by the animals, but the animals are quiet always. Jesus is always laying there very peacefully, right, sleeping. No tears, no dirty diapers, none of that stuff. And there's Mary, this uh, probably, probably teenage girl who's given birth, and she's, her hair's always perfect, right? You know, her eyes are just calm and peaceful. She's, uh, for some reason, in our minds, Mary is always wearing this blue pastel robe, right? It's just, and it's perfect, and it's ironed, you know, it, there are no wrinkles in it. Somehow, we've created this sanitized version of Jesus' birth that I think is probably kind of upside down. Maybe, maybe we're impacted by a lot of other different kinds of things, uh, the, um, a friend sent me a note uh, just last night that said, what has 15 actors, four settings, two writers, and one plot? 634 Hallmark movies. Uh, <laughs> I will hear about that this afternoon from my wife. Um, yeah, we, we've created this image of Jesus' birth that, that it was this, this beautiful kind of Hallmark movie. And probably there's some elements that it was. But I think that we miss all of the drama associated with that, with that day. Um, everything was perfect, right? Just like your home is going to be on Wednesday. Your family celebration is going to be perfect, right? Not usually the case. In this series, in this Dig Dug series, we've talked about the, the reality that we're all, we're all in holes. Sometimes the holes are just there. They're nobody's fault. Sometimes they're the holes that we have dug ourselves and that we've landed in. And that Jesus came to dig us out of those holes. Today we're going to talk about a different kind of hole. The holes that happen, that we, that we live in, that we find ourselves in, that were caused by somebody else, some other kind of circumstances. Um, I, I think part of what makes the, the manger scene so spectacular is that it gives us this sense of what's to come. Even in the midst of all of the stuff that's there, there's this concept that in our holes, God sent his son to rescue us. It's, the, it's kind of the theme of this, ser- this service, Dan's baptism that's going to take place, second service. Um, that God came to earth to rescue us. We, we uh, heard Luke's description of the angel's conversation with Mary. Uh, let, me, let me just read Matthew's description of the conversation that the angel had with Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Again, it's such an incredibly dramatic event. Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, which is a really big deal in that time and culture. Everything is in place, but they haven't set up their home together yet. And as much as they may have wanted to, they haven't slept together to this point. And all of a sudden, Mary is pregnant. Maybe Mary told Joseph in a quiet conversation early on. Because of the encounter that Mary had had with the angel, maybe that conversation was very factual, very almost platonic, very objective. But maybe not. Do you wonder how that conversation started? Joseph, honey, um, we need to have a talk. You better sit down. And Joseph saying, Mary, it's okay. You know, if you, want, if you want rows of Sharon flowers for the wedding instead of lilies, I'm okay with that. And Mary said, uh, no, Joseph, you need to sit down. We need to talk. I have to believe that conversation was incredibly full of emotion. As Mary poured out her heart to Joseph... Mary trying to explain this dream that she'd had with the angel that had come and spoken to her. And I've got to believe that Joseph, in the middle of that conversation, only heard one word. Pregnant. 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 And he's thinking all the time, how can this be? This woman that I've pledged my love to has betrayed me. There's, There's no other rational explanation for it. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to start over. It's going to be terrible. The plans that they'd made, everything given up. And in the following days, Joseph determines to do what, every, what any Jewish gentleman would decide as well. He wanted to quietly break off the engagement. He and Mary would part ways, and, um, and he'd try and heal his heart, his ego, try and heal his reputation. He didn't want to be spiteful, but he was going to have to have a fresh start. And then he has this encounter with this angel and becomes convinced that Mary has told him the truth, that she is pregnant, but it's by the Holy Spirit and not by another man. While there was something about that conversation with an angel, the rest of their circumstances was that they found themselves in a hole that was not of their, or of their own doing. There was a hole that they were going to live out that had been dug for them because of the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus. Everyone in Nazareth, in Nazareth would have been talking as Joseph took Mary into his home at that point in time. And then in just probably a few weeks, Mary began to show that pregnancy. Plans for a large community wedding of a happy festive occasion probably were reduced to uh, the equivalent of just going to see the justice of the peace. 
everything changed. The joy and excitement of Mary's friends as they became pregnant, um, all of a sudden with Mary, it was something completely different. They began to see the disapproval, the disappointment, the betrayal. They weren't excited probably for Mary. They were probably more patronizing or just plain sad that she was pregnant in these circumstances. The special friendship that Mary shared with the women in the, in the village, all of a sudden it had changed. It became strangely awkward. As Mary would walk to the well, it would be the kind of thing that there would be the whispers. Mary would walk into the conversation and they'd stop. Can you picture what it was like, that hole that existed? Do you imagine the conversation that Mary and Joseph had with Mary's parents to tell her that she was pregnant? And the parents saying, just tell the truth. You know, don't don't go into the story of an angel. Just tell the truth. Their disappointment that their daughter was pregnant and not yet married. There had to be an impact to Joseph's business as well. He was a carpenter, but it was a small community. And and as skilled as he was, you, you have to understand that people had to think, oh, I, do I want to go to that guy? He slept with, his, with a woman before they were married. She's pregnant. I don't want to be associated with that. And it had to have an economic impact as well. When the, when the edict came out from Caesar Augustus that they were going to have to travel to Bethlehem to, to enroll in the census, I think Mary and Joseph probably felt like that was a respite. It was like, we can get away from here. We can just be by ourselves. But as they traveled those four, five, six, seven days to Bethlehem, um, you, you got to know what happened. They would be, hundreds of other people are traveling towards Bethlehem. And as they would stop and see them, as they'd have conversations, people would say, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, where are you from? What's your names? And then the people would say, oh, you're Mary and Joseph from Nazareth. And all of a sudden, things would be, be cool. Do, do you have the picture of, the, of even in the beauty of the Christmas story, the hole that Mary and Joseph were in? When they arrived in Bethlehem, even among extended family, they were relegated to the area with the animals because there was no room for them where the rest of the family was. Uh, I wonder how much Mary aged during her pregnancy what that transformation was like for her to go from an innocent young girl, excited about being married, to being ostracized and alienated, kind of cast out by the community, and yet being able to hold on to the truth that had come from God, that God's son was going to be born in her body, from her body. Um, the, The holes, even after Jesus' birth, continued to get worse. Herod said, you know what? We're going to wipe out every, every boy child that's born from that area that's two years of, old, two years of age or, or younger. And so Mary and Joseph have to escape and go to Egypt away from their family, away from any sense of support that they had. The hole was deep. And in a sense, it was kind of like it was God's doing, right? He had orchestrated the circumstances for his son to be born. But Mary and Joseph were living it out. They were struggling with their relationships. They were struggling with their life and everything that had changed. 
The Apostle Paul would write later, much later, God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And Mary and Joseph, I'm sure, found that to be true. And yet, they were living in those holes. Well, none of us have ever experienced what Mary and Joseph did, that tension between the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of the new birth, the beauty of the Savior being born, and yet all of the stuff of life. We've, we live in holes that other people have dug for us, right? There, there are times that stuff happens that it's not our fault, but somebody else has really caused that situation that, that has buried us. Sometimes it's good news. You know, your boss comes in and says, hey, we got this new position for you. Um, more responsibility, more hours, more money. Um, we've invested a million dollars in this new product, and you're responsible for making sure that it's profitable in the next nine months, right? And, and you think, my world just got turned up and upside down by my boss. Um, sometimes we're buried in a hole because of the choices that other people make. You're sitting in an intersection, and a car comes out of control and hits you at that intersection through the choices that that driver made. And at best, you know, your car's just totaled. At worst, you wake up in the hospital. Maybe a family member or a passenger in the car has died through that process. You're in a hole that you didn't cause at all. You scrimp and you, you save your pennies and you, you're, you know, you're moving towards retirement and then all of a sudden you read on a news outlet that your investment counselor has been embezzling money and all of your retirement Everything that you've worked and saved for is gone. It's not your fault. Somebody else has dug that hole for you. Maybe your story is that you were an innocent child and a family member or a trusted friend did some things and their choices put you in a hole that you've been trying to dig out of for years. This whole concept of of being in a hole that somebody else has dug for you, and Merry Christmas, right? Are you happy now? Um, uh, uh, Here's the deal. Jesus came to fix this. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, This this concept, it's real for me right now. About a month ago, um, the the university, the college where Deb and I went to school, Cincinnati Christian University, sent out a message that they they were closing their doors at the end of this, this semester. The president of the college the president of the university had an, uh, a relationship with a bank that the college owed money to that, um, that, that you're not legally allowed to have. And so the college lost its accreditation, and um, a college um, four years shy of being 100 years old, a college that shaped us in an incredible ways, an incredible way has closed its door. That, that, there's pain in that, but that doesn't dig really a hole for me. But one of my roommates from college, a number of my friends who are on faculty at the, at the university found out you know, three weeks before the school was closed that they wouldn't have any retirement, any medical, any benefits. The middle of the year, they're academic people and everything's done. Somebody else made some choices and they're living out, living in that hole. Um, Holes are real. 
In, the, in, in Scripture, we read about a lot. People, people are in holes that other people dig for them. The, the story of Joseph, I think, is, is such an interesting story because it's, it's a story of God's faithfulness, and it's before Jesus. But Joseph is this kid who grows up with 11 brothers and at least one sister with three stepmoms, crazy family. Uh, you, you want them to come over for Christmas, right? Um, crazy, crazy set of stuff. And Joseph probably dug some holes when he was young of his own. He was his dad's favorite, and he flaunted that with his brothers. But ultimately, when his brothers sell him into slavery and he goes to Egypt, Joseph puts all that away and begins to just work incredibly hard for Potiphar. And, um, and in the midst of working and being faithful, really pressing on and doing the right stuff, Potiphar's wife throws herself at Joseph. And Joseph runs away. Joseph says, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife accuses him of, of attacking her, of molesting her. And Joseph gets thrown into prison. It's not Joseph's fault at all, right? Potiphar's wife dug the hole, and Joseph is sent to prison as a result. When someone else digs a hole that you find yourself in, and, I, and I, my guess is right now, uh, again, I, I, this is, I don't want this to be a downer, but the beauty of the Christmas story is that God came into a broken world to rescue us, that he called our name, and we ran out of that grave, right? It's, that's the joy of Christmas. What, what do you do? What do you do when you're sitting out there this morning and you think, yeah, there's some holes. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm living out some holes relationally, you know, financially, whatever, because of choices other people have done. What do you, what do, you do? The first thing that I want to encourage you to do this Christmas is to recognize when, you, when you're buried in a hole that somebody else has dug, that our circumstances can be a subplot of the glory of God's great story. They can be a subplot. Scratch that. They are a subplot in God's great story, right? The struggles that we go through, there is, they're just a small part of God's greater story. That was the case with Mary and Joseph. All of those things that happened to them, all of those relational breakdowns that happened, all of the stuff that they had to deal with, it was all minor stuff in the big picture of what God had in store. We can look 2,000 years later back and have this, have this romantic view of the birth of Jesus because God's story is so much bigger than the circumstances that happen in our lives. History is not just a collection of individual stories of people. It is God's story. History is his story. We're players in God's creation, in God's redemption that he has created for us. We absolutely have free will. We can make choices to be in that story of God. We, we can make good choices. We can make bad choices. Well, we, can, we can determine where our life goes. But the question for us today is how do you respond when somebody else digs the hole and you get buried there? You have to recognize that whatever you're going through is a, is a small part of God's bigger picture. The struggles that Mary and Joseph went through were so that we would know that we're not alone this Christmas. If you're, if you're hurting today, know that you're not alone. I, I love Mary's response in, in uh, Luke chapter 1. The angel comes and says, you're going to have this baby. And Mary says, how... 
I, I, I don't get that. And, and the angel says, you know what, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it all. And Mary's response is, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. God, whatever you want. God, I'm just one tiny piece in the puzzle. I trust you. Um, was, was becoming a mother before she was married a part of Mary's plan? I, I don't think so. Was facing the whispers and the isolation, the, the destroyed reputation, was that a part of Mary's plan, what she expected? Not at all. But she understood that God had a bigger plan and that God wasn't going to allow her to go through all of that alone. God hadn't abandoned her. There in the manger, he was digging her out of that hole and placing her on top of that mountain, as Dan talked about. She just couldn't see the mountain quite yet. God's writing a story even today that's going to be told through eternity. Contextualize this Christmas 2019. God's writing this story that's going to be told throughout eternity and whatever you're going through this morning, whatever struggles that other people have caused in your life, whatever struggles you have that you've caused yourself, whatever struggles you have that just are, that just are a normal part of life, they're designed so that God's glory can be revealed in eternity. The hero, the savior, is the baby whose birth we celebrate this Christmas. God has bigger plans than any hole that anyone has dug for you. Don't miss that. God has bigger plans than any hole that others have dug for you. It's important to understand that in our hearts and not just in our heads, that following Jesus won't won't remove us, won't shield us from the pain, from the damaging behavior of others, right? We live in a broken world. That's the reality of life. We all have holes. Some we dig for ourselves. Others, uh, others dig holes for us. Some holes just are. Dan Conan's decision to give Jesus full control of his life, to be baptized, that doesn't mean that all of the pain in his life is just going to be wiped away. It's just going to vanish. There are issues that he's probably going to deal with for the rest of his life that come because we live in a broken world and because of the decisions that he's made in the past. But don't miss this. Jesus is his digger-outer, right? Jesus is the one that has rescued him from that mess and brought him out. Dan doesn't have to do it alone, and neither do you. When we get serious about following Jesus, don't miss this, Satan steps up his game in an incredible way, right? When we say, God, I want you to have complete control. I give you the reins to my life. I want you to take the steering wheel to drive my ship, man. Satan all of a sudden becomes very razor focused on us. He'll attack. He'll do everything that he needs to to try and destroy that commitment to let Jesus have control of our life. When we're just going through the motions, when we're just kind of living, saying, yeah, God's up there, I'm here, everything's good, Satan doesn't need to spend any time on us. But when we give Jesus full control, the control that he came to earth to, uh, to, ha- to have that relationship with us, Satan becomes energized. 
Following Jesus doesn't instantaneously fix your dysfunctional family that's going to come together on Wednesday night. Following Jesus doesn't instantaneously fix the custody issues that you deal with, with your former spouse. It doesn't stop the lies that people have been spreading about you. It doesn't heal or cure the Alzheimer's or the Parkinson's or the cancer that's destroying your life or the, or the person that you love. But don't miss this. You're not alone. You're not going through that by yourself. The story that God is writing is an amazing one, and he's not finished with it yet. Understanding, understanding why we go through the struggles that we do, why other people's choices, their decisions, the holes that they dig for us happen. Understanding why doesn't change our circumstances, but we want to know why, right? We, we have a desire to say, God, why is it that, that, that we're going through this? What is it that we've, uh, what is it that we're, why do we need to experience this? Uh, this Christmas, I, I want to encourage you, if you're struggling, don't be afraid to sit down and talk with God and ask that why question. The Psalms are such a powerful uh, set of scripture that where, where David and, the, and the, the other psalmists ask that question of God, God, why, why, is there, um, why is there unfairness? Why do people do the things that they do? God can handle our hard questions. He may or may not answer in our timing. He may or may not answer in a way that we approve of, but he is still God and we can still trust him. He is still God and we can still trust him. Mary didn't ask why, but she asked how. How how can this be? How, How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. I'm just this poor girl from a family in the hills. Why would you choose me? The answer to the why question from the angel to the how question is, God is with you. God is with you. Just one last thought. If if you recognize, if you realize that that you're living in a bunch of crud that other people have caused in your life, you need to forgive. You need to forgive them. We may not know why. Sometimes when you, when you understand why it changes, it allows you to be more gracious. When, when you understand that hurt people hurt people, right? All of a sudden you can extend grace in a way that you couldn't before. But you need to forgive. Jesus came to forgive us so that we could forgive others. What better time than Christmas to forgive hurt from the past, to forgive hurt from the present. Over the next few days, when you read the Christmas story, when you think about the baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, I hope you'll see this couple. I hope you'll see Mary and Joseph facing overwhelming circumstances that were a part of the story of redemption that God was writing. They were in a hole that they hadn't dug. But God was digging them out in a way that would impact every single person from that moment forward. If you're facing brokenness at home or at work, brokenness in your relationships, the brokenness of disappointment, that 
over things that you don't have any control over, look around at the work that God is doing. The digger outer has come. Every Christmas for me, I I come back to really to one truth. God named Jesus. To me, the the wonder of Christmas, it comes down to those two passages that we've read. Particularly when the angel appears to Joseph and he says, Mary's going to have this baby and you're going to name him Jesus for he will save the people from their sins. Jesus means Savior. The beauty of the manger is that Jesus came to save us. And at the end of that passage, it says that that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, God with us. The wonder of Christmas is that God would leave heaven and come to earth and experience the life that we do, experience the brokenness, experience the holes around, and that he would rescue us from that. God has a plan. God has a plan so much bigger than the holes that you experience. And he wants you to experience that this Christmas. Take some time in the midst of the presence, in the midst of all the stuff going on, all of business, all the family stuff, all the food. Take some time and recognize that God has come to dig you out of those holes. Let's pray.